There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're going to have to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at RiskWell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. Welcome back to the show, boys and girls. It is the Agency Freedom Podcast. We help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. And I'm just going to warn you right now, I've had like three cups of coffee. It is go time. And I'm talking with a friend. He's not just a podcast guest. He has uh, he has become an actual friend in the industry over the last few years. He is none other than Mike Fusco, one of the principals of Fusco and Orsini in San Diego. Welcome to the show, man. What's up, brother? Hey, where's your shades, man? Um, Right here. Aren't these some sick shades? I'm going to record because we're not recording video. It's audio only for today, but... Dude, those I, uh, are great I, shades, dude. Oh man, I love these shades. It's not my style at all. It's way too edgy. It's the the blue reflective. Yeah, it's it's funny. No you wear you. them well, man. <laughs> no, you're very kind, Mike. What is going on, dude? For those of our listening audience that don't know who Mike Fusco is, uh, why don't you catch us up real quick? What are you up to? What's your uh, your background? I'll just drop it. You're a Maryland Terrapin who found his way to sunny San Diego. How did that happen? Man, that's a great question. So I, I actually was born, I, was, I grew up in Jersey. So I was raised in Jersey, went to Maryland, and then came out here about three weeks after I graduated college with a bunch of buddies on a whim. <laughs> 30 years later, you're still here. Yep, <laughs> Or exactly. not 30. Mm, what, 20, no, dude, 22, 22? 22, 22 years? Heading yeah. to 30. Yeah, man. I had a suitcase, no car, no money, no job, and just kind of moved to the beach bro. and never left because I love San Diego, man. That's a great place. It's San uh, Diego. Yeah, yeah, I know. You'll be, I look forward to, to your arrival in a couple oh, of months. Um, yeah. Let me just tell you the kind of guy that Mike Fusco is. I'm a huge Coldplay fan, like huge, huge Coldplay fan. Been, been a Coldplay fan for 20 years. We saw their concert last year in the Dallas area, and I'm sitting here going, man, I'd love to see Coldplay again. I don't have any idea when they're, and it was like, wait a second, people on my team got on a plane and traveled for a Taylor Swift concert. They went to the <laughs> Phoenix show a few months ago, and I was like, if somebody on my team is getting on a plane for a concert, why can't I get on a plane for a concert? Never done that before in my life. I was like, hold on a second. I wonder... Where is Coldplay in the U.S.? Because they're all international. I mean, in the next six months, they're in like Taiwan and Australia and Singapore. And it was like, well, oh, I'm not going everywhere. to Singapore for a concert. Sorry, not yet. I'm no Robert Klinger. Like, 
hanging out in Thailand, just <laughs> randomly popping over to go see his tailor and buy a bunch of suits. I'm not at that level yet. Sorry, Robert. Don't mean to call you out in a good way. Golly, I mean, the coolest guy in insurance, Bob I it swear. Up, Bob Klinger is the most interesting man in insurance, but I digress. So I'm sitting there, I'm looking at these uh, these concerts, and it's LA for two shows, San Diego for two shows, and Seattle. And I'm like, bro, San Diego, hands down. Sorry, LA, sorry, Seattle, but you're not even being considered. It's San Diego or bust. So I talk to the wife, and she's like, yeah, that sounds like fun. It's like, yes, for, I got the first yes. All right, cool. She's like, all right, so we're going to work this out. And then the That's moments... the most important the t- one, too, by the, the way. moments... Th- though, absolutely it is. You're dang right. <laughs> because if if the boss says no, then nothing else matters. And uh, I, I have a bride who is super cool about, hey, yeah, let's do it. Let's find a way to make it happen. Because she knows I don't do things for myself very often. I know you don't either. We've talked about that. Yeah. Self-care is something we struggle with. I do with. look forward to meeting her, by the way. That'd be cool, because I haven't Bro. got to meet her yet. And the same for your bride. I mean, yeah. for real deal. But my first thought after the tickets are booked is, who do I know in San Diego? And I'm like, well, Jerry Connery is about an hour north in Orange County. And then I'm going down the list. And the first thing I'm thinking of is, well, dang, my Fusco's right there local. And then come to find out you're really local because you're like Mission Valley is like super close to you. So oh, yeah, like, man. Yeah. Dang. It's, it's. So we get to hang out Perfect. in San Diego. Yeah. I it's mean, gonna that's, good. it's going to be a good time. Yeah, Seal Beach, man. Friggin' La Jolla. That is one of the most amazing places on planet Earth. I love it. And then Torrey Pines right up the road. We're not going to get to play Torrey this time, unfortunately. But, man, one of the coolest golf courses. One of my very best memories as a farmer's agent was going to the Farmer's Open at Torrey. But that feels like a million years ago. That was 2015. Yeah, and they still do it. I mean, the farmer still does that event. Sorry, I totally interrupted your introduction. You found yourself to sunny San Diego 22 years ago, a kid with a dream and a suitcase full of clothes and not much else. (laughs) How in the world did that story manifest? Dude, so I was working at a deli, man. (laughs) A deli? (laughs) A kid from New Jersey moves to San Diego and works at a deli. With a college degree, but nonetheless. Yeah, I don't think my pops was too happy. What was your degree in, by the way, at Maryland? Business. I went to the business school at yeah. Maryland, which is actually pretty, pretty That's high. That's a ranking. good school, man. Yeah. And my dad wasn't too stoked when I. Uh, and by the way, stoked was never a word I used before I moved here. But before anyway, you moved to San Diego. Was, my dad wasn't too happy with my decisions, but yeah, man, I started at the uh, I I started in insurance at, at the Lizard, dude. Really? Me and, Kil- me and Kilgo have that. I was about to say, you and Kilgo at the Lizard. Okay. Yeah, man. I learned, I actually, you know, as rough around the edges as that company is because nobody wants to work in a call center. No. uh, I learned a lot about the general business. You know, Mm -hmm. we were so focused in one or two products, but you still learn. You learn how to be efficient, how to multitask. I, I, I worked myself up to a team where I was managing, you know, 12, 15 agents. Uh, then went independent in 2005, and then started this agency in 2010. Hmm. So that's the that's the short of it, man. Wow. You know, one thing I will say about Geico is they've got systems, and processes, and operational efficiency at a level almost no other company in our industry does. They are oh. an absolute machine. Oh, dude, there's nothing like it. In fact. The fact that you bring that up is perfect because 
before I left, I got to do like a Six Sigma mm-hmm. training with them yeah. for like six months. I got to sit on there. They were going through the whole process. You know, you know all about that. Oh yeah. Right? The, yeah. the, the lean operating, super yes. efficient. Yeah. Yes. And for about six months I got to, and dude, it was mind numbing. Like it was, it's brutal, but yeah, but it creates some incredible insights. You know, I hear Six Sigma black belts are a lot of fun at parties. Oh, if they're any, yeah, dude, those people are like, (laughs) I couldn't imagine being in a party with them. Oh man. But I learned a lot and I took a lot away from it because as you say, lean, mean, and efficient, dude. And that's what they are. I mean, they're freaking efficient. Well, dude. What I've got some other questions, but I I, I got to say one of the eye openers for man this this independent agent world. This is the summer of 2021, two years ago. I reached out to you asking some questions, and you and I didn't really know each other back then. You you were super friendly and and generous with your time, and then you sent me a Google Drive link <laughs> with a bunch of goodies in it stuff that you guys have created, intellectual property for Fusco and Orsini and, and what you're doing for value add stuff in the marketplace. And I, I read that through some of those documents and after like 15, 20 minutes, I, I'm feeling completely inferior. I mean, it's like, holy crap, man. This Fusco guy is on a totally different level. He's created stuff that I haven't even thought about yet. Because at that point, I had met Carruthers, but I was I was still six months away from joining Killing Commercial, so I'd never seen ground floor any of that stuff. You were doing things that I'd never even thought about, and you had not just thought about it, you had implemented it, you had developed your own stuff and deployed it in your office, and you were doing it at the point of sale and in client relationships, and I'm just like, whoa, yep. there's so much beyond where I'm at right now, because at that point, two years in, had a lot of success at a small scale. Had gone from zero to like seven hundred thousand in revenue in twenty months. Yeah, that's amazing, with bro. like three or four people. That's amazing. So I'm feeling. I'm thinking. Oh yeah, I'm really good. And then that conversation. <laughs> that conversation. I'm just like, holy crap! There, I'm nothing. I haven't even Man, started not, yet. Here's the thing, though. Like, dude. I'll say, I've said this to so many people. You only, I mean, only time can get you to that, to those yeah. certain things that I've created. And, and yeah. I hope it helped, but. Oh, it did. Absolutely. I mean, you single-handedly changed the way I think about value-add services two years ago. And then six months after that, I got into Killing Commercial and really started to figure out how to do some of this stuff for myself. But for the first year, all I was doing was repackaging and Redo, like doing my version of the stuff that you gave me because there was no way I could make it on my own. I wasn't there yet. Like intellectually, conceptually in the industry, you were light years ahead of where I was. And and still to this day, I mean, I'm not there yet. You got a big head start on me. But I just got to yeah. say, before we go back to your story, bro, it was like that one interaction two years ago was career altering because it was one of those like, kid, Stop thinking your hot stuff. You might be good at sales and marketing and some other things, but there are people out there that are way beyond you in in skills and like the sophistication in the marketplace. So bravo, my friend. That's it, very impressive. And I know because you're you, you would never be like, yeah, I'm the shit. 
but it's totally okay for other people to say that about you. So no, I appreciate it, man. And I, I'm glad it helped you because I know you've helped a lot of people. Uh, yeah. But, and I got to say this, like there, I mean, I always, I know there's people out there that are doing things way beyond it. You know, my imagination, just like you felt like that about me. So it's like, it's always getting better, right? We all there's need always to get a bigger fish. We always need to get, all of us need to get better, right? We always, and that's the thing that I love about, you know, you and a lot of our friends in the business is that, and that's what I admire is that people, we're always trying to get better, Yeah. you know, particularly our kind of, I guess, friend, like the people that we kind of, yeah. Know, I want to be around people that make me uncomfortable because they're right. constantly upgrading. They're, right. they're constantly tinkering and messing with stuff. And you know, there's not the, many people that we that I know personally in this business that I'd like to connect with that aren't trying to get better and doing better things all the time. Yep, I saw that. Yep. Did have you read that? I'm in the middle of it right now. Yeah. Now I saw Hanley mention it uh, a week or two ago, and I'm like, oh, good. So that's validation. It's on my list too. No. Yeah, and there's a guy you just mentioned that's always trying, always getting better and doing better things. But there's a lot of people like that, man, in our business and entrepreneurial altogether. I mean, we're all business owners, right? Yeah. So that's naturally that's what we want to do. Now, Hanley is one of a kind in that regard, man. Yeah. I almost wonder if he's if sometimes he gets in his own way because he is so growth oriented. He is so eager to make stuff happen and to 10x everything. Like is is he's frenetic. Like the pace that he operates at is just on a different level he exhausts me and i yep. was like i love that dude he is a friend and colleague but man sometimes i just want to grab him by the shoulders and be like bro would you just tap the brakes for a second or two like you're the the speed that he operates at is insane i don't want that i i do not aspire to the hanley level of intensity and velocity man yeah man there's just certain, there's people that can go like that you know uh personally i i've had times where i could but yeah. sustained i can't i i just get i just Ooh. get burnt out of it man well that san diego pace of life is uh, a lot more attractive for a lot of people right all right let's fast yeah. forward because you jump through some things real quick in there and i'm gonna hit the little whoosh button let me do that again turn the volume where it's supposed to be take us back to 2005 because yeah. you you got into the agency how long were you at geico Three years, just okay. shy of three years. So 2008 rolls around. 2005. World, oh, 2005 was when you went You went independent. Yep. I went okay. independent at a shop here in San Diego that was every man for himself, dude. Yep. I mean, it was- Oil or room. It was all ENS, all construction. You know, we had 25 or 26 agents and every man created their own opportunity. Every man grew their own book of business. <laughs> you got paid nothing unless you sold. It was that type of, of business. Ugh. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, I learned a lot. I be, actually became the salesman. They had no, when you talk about a company that had no processes, no workflows, no standards, no procedures, every single person was doing things different. I mean, from proposals to the way they were call, calling people to the hours they were working to the policies they were writing to the programs they were using, there was no standardization whatsoever. Mm. And then about maybe two and a half years in, they said, hey, would you want to manage the sales team? Well, <laughs> that's a pretty big task when 
you have 25 people doing everything different and a lot of them have been there a lot longer than I have. And they're all a bunch of cannibals trying to slit throats and, and just operating however they can with a survival mentality. It was insane, dude. And a lot of them had you know pretty good books of business already because they had been there. Yeah. I think that agency started in 93. Wow. I got there in 05. And that kind of culture is so toxic and so competitive to the point of being you know, breeding internal hostility where people see their peers as competition. That's the, you know, I, I yeah, try to, maybe I shouldn't use that kind of visceral imagery with the whole like cannibals and, and like cutting throats and whatnot. But I mean, oh, I witnessed fights in the hallway. Yeah. But I mean, that's the kind Overly. of environment that is fostered when what you're describing is allowed to not just happen, but become systemic. Like, I can't even imagine. It's like the exact opposite of what you're building and have built at FAO and uh, the uh, what we're doing at Riskwell. It's like, man, I... You're so right on. It's insane. I mean, you hit the... It is 180 degrees. And when I left there in 2010, I wanted to create the exact opposite mm. of what that company was. The oh, and I said it wrong, by the way. It's not FAO. It's F-O-A. F-O, I was like, Fusco, oh, yeah, sorry. I totally messed it up when I said it just a second ago. So oh, 2000, 2005 comes along, and then you are in the, uh, in the industry. How long are you there? And more, more importantly, where are you when the world goes crazy and the financial meltdown happens? Because starting in September of 2008... Everything got real weird. It was horrible. It was a horrible time. And we were in construction only. So you can imagine how bad that was. And I, I had told, you know, there was, there was an ops manager there. The owner was a little bit absentee, but I kept telling them, hey, we need to diversify. You know, we, we need to get into other markets. We need to learn hospitality, manufacturing, yeah. Main Street business. Everything that you and I write, you know, we yeah. need to learn more about direct markets, admitted programs. We were writing ENS across the board and no one wanted to listen because times were good. Yeah, and highly profitable. And highly profitable, but yeah. you brought it up 2008. I mean, we went that company went from uh, it was scary. It went they I think they have four agents left today. Wow. And I think right on the onset like the Basically, when the financial crisis ended, which probably was around, would you say it was around 2011 when it started coming out of it? Yeah, 20 probably 20, 2010, 2011, yeah. late 2010, early, mid 2011, probably. They were when. down to seven or eight agents. That's yeah. how bad it got for them. Yeah. Uh, and so the best move I ever made was leaving then, you know, in 2010, when I saw the writing on the wall um, and started so this. You lasted in 2010. Yeah, I started. I, this agency was September of 2010. So about wow. two years through that crisis, we 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 tried to hang in there. Okay, so I'm do. You are September 2010. So September of 2023, I can do math. Look at that, mom. 23 minus 10. So your 13 year anniversary as an agency principal in September. What's your head count? Your revenue? Like, help me understand. You're like. You're what, two and a half million in revenue and somewhere around 30 headcount, is that right? We're trending at about 3.8 million in revenue this year. 
Wow, um, I undercut that big time. I don't know where I got two and a half from. That's sorry, huh. 3.8 in revenue after 13 years, man. That's outstanding. Where, what's your headcount looking like? And, and break down from, because I know you got a benefits division. We'll talk about it a little bit later in this episode. I don't know what daggum thing about benefits like you do. You, your middle market benefits is where you do most of your stuff. I um, learned the hard way. Right. I told what, you that so before. So <laughs> what's the headcount in the, in the divisions? In your personal lines, in your commercial, and in benefits? We have one in personal lines. <laughs> the boy. Lone there you go. Lone She's Ranger in awesome. personal lines. Joanne, if you're listening, you're you're the best. She has to, she deals with more nonsense than anyone. Um, benefits, we have five. We have a VP of benefits. She runs the division. We have nice. two account executives, a CSR, and a producer. Wow. And then we have eighteen in commercial lines PNC, Love and it. that includes. I mean, we have a controller. We have an ops manager. Sure. So, you know, they don't really... And the controller and ops manager run the whole show, not just commercial. Exactly. Yeah, but their payroll comes out of the commercial division. Yep. There you go. (laughs) Yep. So Uh, at this point, you're basically running everything on on a K-1. You're taking owner distribution because, my gosh, man, that's... You're at a different level than just about everybody who listens to this podcast. I Yeah, maybe. Um, Yeah. We're definitely at a different level than I ever I ever thought we'd be at. And how cool Although, is that, man? I set my sights to be to do good things, but it's been better than what I expected. What do you attribute that to? Let's pause for a second. And I know I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> off course here. I, I'm rabbit trailing with my questions. Dude, I love this. Uh, By the way, I, I told you this before we started recording. I joined this. I I wanted to come on the podcast to talk to you because I enjoy talking to you. So it doesn't have to be anything. In particular, it's a little bit hard for freedom jumpers and our our listeners to follow Mm -hmm. because half of what I'm doing is just my own curiosity. It's Mm -hmm. you know, the guest says something, I'm like, oh, wait a second, I want want to know more about that. So, can I promise you something? You'll be there, yeah. Oh, your agency will will be yo, it's not, it's a challenge, but it's not what got you. You asked the question, what got me here? Hard work, that's it, dude. Oh, yeah, for sure. 100%. 100%. No, it's the it, Hey, Freedom Jumper. Are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. We, we were talking a little bit ago about the, the 10X is easier than 2X from Benjamin Hardy and then Dan Sullivan is a co-author there. But you're living proof of 10X is, is easier than 2X because the only way you go from $0 in revenue to almost $4 million in annual revenue is with that mentality of continually tossing out the bottom 
50 percent 60 70 80 percent and you know keeping the top 20 but then regrowing that top 20 over and over and over turning the 20 percent into the 100 percent and then chopping the bottom 80 again and then repeating as needed over the last 13 years talk talk about that what is your process for helping yourself evolve because so many people the vast majority of agency owners and even producers you get to a certain point you achieve a certain amount of success and then you go huh this is pretty nice i like my life i like where i'm at i make good money i have a nice house i get to do nice things on the weekend I, I eat what I want, I drink what I want, I vacation where I want. Okay, cool, this is nice. And they stop trying, they stop pushing, they stop growing and evolving and, and doing things that scare them and make them uncomfortable. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you and I are wired differently than that. You and I somehow have a different thing in our brain that goes, what else can we do? Yeah, we're doing this now, but what's possible if we do this instead? And what, what does it take to get to that? Whatever that is, and hopefully that is a big, scary, unreasonable thing that seems impossible to get to, but then you get to it. And I know that because you're shaking your head with a smile on your face. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, what's, yeah. your take, what's your take on all of that? How in the world do you continually ask yourself how can we make this better man that's a great question i mean i think it has to come from your person i mean it has to be from within right i mean we know we hear that all the time it's probably pretty cliche but yeah i mean could we sit back you know relax stop trying to you know build the book stop trying to get better yeah sure but that's not i'm not ever going to let that happen because i don't believe in sitting and just being comfortable. And, and I, I'll, you know, I think it comes in stages when you first start out, as you know, you know, you kind of just, you're kind of in survival mode, man. You got to kind of just do what you need to do to get to year number one, year number two, year number three, you know, there's no comfort level at all. I mean, yeah. it's like, okay, I need to feed my family. Yeah. You know, I have young kids and a wife that doesn't work. I'm going to make shit happen. Right. Yeah. You know, then you start to get to a level where you start to see some, you know, you start to see some foundation and, and some structure and level of comfort in the agency. But I always felt like, man, if we weren't pushing to get better, and if every person on my team, if I wasn't pushing them to get better, then we would only be going in reverse. Yeah. You know, and I still feel like that today. I mean, if I, if we, I see other, I think one of the great things about what we do, you know, just entrepreneurship in general in, in, in America is competition is going to push you to be better or you're going to get surpassed. You're going to get passed up. Someone is going to do it better than you are. And whether that means you're going to lose business or your bottom line is not going to be as good or your revenue is going to suck or you can't hire another person or you can't help your management team get to another level or you can't help your producer buy a house, you know, whatever it is that that gets you to motivate you know that yeah. motivates you you're gonna lose i mean whatever that is you're gonna lose some availability in that right you're, you're not gonna be able to get to the, what you want to do 
and you're just going to go in reverse. And I'm, I'm scared of going, I get scared of going in reverse. Like I literally get scared of not being the best that we can be. Cause I want to be the best agency that anyone ever did business with. Yep. I mean, at the end of the day, I want to have the best reputation. I want our clients to like us the most. And of course, you're not always going to have clients that like you the most, but I want our employees to enjoy working here. I want them to get the, the ultimate level of growth from their career and satisfaction and pride in what they do. And that's just the way I am, man. And you know, when I go to sleep at night, wake up in the morning, that's what I'm thinking of every single day. Yep. And uh, I mean, that's really it, man. That's, that's what it. drives me. Love it. Now, what, yeah. uh, what, do, what are the, the life stages from 2010 to now? What do you think the, the milestone markers have been? When you look back in the last 13 years, what are two or three things, pivot points, inflection points in the life of Fusco and Orsini? And I'll like, ask about the Orsini part of this because I don't know anything about Orsini, whoever they are. Yeah. Um, I'll ask Jeez. that question a little bit later. Sure. Man, what, the question. inflection points in the last that's 13 years, what are, what are two or three things, that are, challenges you faced, decisions you had to make, where you, you just look back on that and go, that right there was when we took the next level? That's a great question. And the, you know what's crazy is I'm, the amount of mistakes I've made is unbelievable. It's, it's incredible that we're still doing as well as we are <laughs> with the amount of bad decisions I made. And not like bad decisions I'm talking about, you know, ethically or... Yeah. I'm talking about just... Tactical bad decisions. Tactical just shit yeah. decisions, dude. That yep. like just blew up and just sucked. Mm. But the good ones, uh, I think, you know, anytime... I, there's, I feel like there's barriers. You know, there's always barriers in growth. And I think when you're growing a business, in, in our industry especially, you know, you look at that million dollar revenue number. Mm-hmm. And you're like, can we get there? And what would it take? God, man, it's crazy. Like I think back when I start to really think back at all the different times, it seems like it went by so fast, you know, the 13 years. But when I start to think back to our challenges and what we've been through, it's actually incredible that we're at the point where we are because we've had so many of them. But I mean, I think. You know, we've hired, you know, we hired, we, we were at a point, we started with three of us. I think that first hire is always a big time in, yep. in a business when, you know, you bring someone from the outside and, and we've, when we first started, when we were ramping up our hiring, we hired a lot of green people, you know, cause you know, we're in a market in San Diego where we're competing with a lot of big agencies. You know, we have. You know, we have Marsh, Aon, Willis, Gallagher. They're all here, you know, NFPs. They're all in this city. So when you go out to hire your first account manager, your first producer, whoever it may be, you're not going to get someone from one of those shops. When you're no. a three-person agency. No. You know, and you have no money in the bank. You might, but you're going to get a loser. <laughs> you're going to yeah. get someone who fell off the boat. <laughs> yeah, and who wants that? So we decided, like, look, at, let's look at some... People that are coming out of college, yeah, uh, that we know have good ethics, that we know have good work ethic, and that, that work hard, and that understand the big picture of what we're trying to do, yeah. and let's teach them the insurance business, yep. and let's teach them the process. And I think we had enough of a process then, and this is where process really saved our asses. 
that we could plug in and they didn't have to worry too much about the day-to-day stuff, but they could really focus on learning the business, learning how to talk to clients. And, and, and those people are here today, man. And that's mm. what makes me the most happy. I mean, I could name five people right now off the top of my head that have been 10 years in the making that, you know, when we had that first big push of hiring that are still here mm. today and doing really well. And they've all grown. Love they've it. all grown to be our top producer, our top account exec, our top CSR, you know, the lead CSR on the team. And I can't be more proud of that. And that's number one. I think number two would be um, bringing them more of the management level, you know, rather than just people that are in the day-to-day insurance work, you know, because yeah. you always think about, you know, we have people, you have people that have to do the day-to-day insurance jobs, right? Yeah, absolutely. But when you can bring someone in that can do your, uh, run your finance team, when you can bring someone in that can run your operations, uh, that makes you feel pretty good. That makes you feel like now you have a level of management that can help bring the agency to the next level. And then I think that the third would be what you talked about before. You know, our value adds are really important to me. I think that's kind of, you know, that separates us, I think, from a lot of competition and, you know, being better, doing more for our client, just being more well-rounded, understanding more from a consultative level of what we're doing rather than just an insurance sale. Because I don't really believe much in just the insurance sale. Although that's, of course, what drives our revenue. I think that we have to be more advisory, more consultants to our client and really understand business, not just insurance, but understand business. We're a resource for our clients from a business perspective, where no matter what that client has going on or what their problems could be, I love it when a client calls me about something that has nothing to do with insurance and says, hey, man, I want to pick your brain on this. And it could be anything from marketing to HR, to strategy, to growth to content, to whatever they're trying to do, you know, risk management, safety, compliance, all the stuff we talk about. Yeah. But it has nothing to do with an insurance policy. And that's what makes me feel good. That's when you know you've got someone because they called you because they see you as an asset for their business, as a resource, as a trusted peer that they can call on. That's, that is the green flag is like, Game on. We're there. We are in with this person. Because then at that point, the renewal on the insurance product is two or three levels removed in this person's brain because every single interaction they have with you adds franchise value to the relationship. 100%, man. Bro. And and, and we don't even have to talk. I mean, that's why I thought it was so important to, to differentiate ourselves. Yeah. Because then we don't even have to talk about the renewal. I mean, yeah. do we still do our job on the renewal? Absolutely. Yeah. But do we have to convince or talk or resell the renewal? No, never. Not if they're a, a true partner or, well, or a true talk, partner. Talk to me mind. about this for just a second, because this is the kind of tactical stuff that people are always telling me they want more of in, in the podcast. I love a good story. I love interviewing people that are doing cool and interesting things. This is something that I know you guys are great at probably best in class or as good as anybody else in in our circle of peers. Talk about your renewal process. How do you steward that relationship at the insurance product level? Because I know from, I've seen it, I know what it is. It's beautiful. Talk about your FO renewal process. Okay, yeah. So I'm going to talk about it, like you said, just at the, the product level. 
let's yeah. forget about everything else we just talked about. So yeah, all the value adds and all the, yeah. all that other stuff. Yeah. But just the process of renewing the insurance product. So we think very, we believe it's very much communi- communication is the key. So we basically split and, but you know, we're, we're commercial lines agency. So let's not, let's forget about personal lines. Even There's though- one, one poorless soul in personal lines. And I'm guessing she's probably 100% inbound. There's no prospecting happening with personal lines. No. It's, it's basically a glorified uh, cross sell for your existing accounts, right? To 100%. protect your flank. 100%. Yeah. And that's what she does. And she yeah. does a really good job at it. But for commercial Let's not lines, talk about personal renewals. Nobody cares. Yeah. Commercial renewals, let's go. <laughs> so commercial renewals. <laughs> I don't mean to be... I, hold on a second. Dude, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm running through my brain. My brain goes, wait a second, James, you idiot. Most of your listeners are personal lines focused agencies. So you should probably choose different words. So, listener, if I just offended you, I apologize. I didn't mean to. I was trying to be funny. I do, in fact, care about the personal lines renewal process because I know a lot of you do, even though Mike and I don't really do much of that. So um, this can, you know what? This can relate to personal lines too, though. Okay, Good. because Carry here's on. how we look now at Now that I've pissed off like 60% of my audience. Yeah. No, let's, let's, let's relate this also to the personal lines renewal. Especially in the current environment where, you know, in California and I'm sure in Texas, Florida, it's going a lot to ENS. Yeah. So what we look at the renewal is we either, is it a manual renewal or is it an automatic renewal? That's the first thing we look at. Yep. Is it manual or is it automatic? Depending on that, it goes into a different sequence. Now, if it's manual and what I mean by manual, people always ask me, well, what the hell does that mean? Well, here's what it means. Do you have to do the same level of work to renew that policy? Every year. Every year as you did at the new sale. And if the answer is yes, then it's manual. Do you have to send out substance accords? Do you have to secure a proposal? Do you have to present it? Do you have to propose it? Do you have to get it all in, collect payment, and then buy in coverage? If you do, that's manual. And a lot of personal lines, homeowners accounts and dwelling fire and, you know, a lot of stuff that you do. You know, which is like investment stuff. I'm, I think mm-hmm. goes to ENS more now, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I so, mean, ninety percent of it. Right. So that would be a manual renewal, and we like to start ahead of time. And I think something that's really, really helped us with retention is that we get way ahead of the renewal, and we communicate through every single step of the process. And I think that's something that the listeners really need to hear. And this is something I've learned over my years: is that. Clients want to know that you haven't forgot about them. I'll say that again. Clients want to know that you have them at top of mind. And really, that's 95% of the damn problem with a lot of insurance agencies that I see lose business or business that we take from other agencies. It's because they just simply don't communicate with the client and the client doesn't think that they give a shit about about, about them. Yep. And it doesn't take much more then outreach. Hey, John, your renewal's in 120 days. We have started the process. Here's what we do for you. Okay. Yep. And then continually, as you get closer to the renewal, you're keeping them in the loop about what you're doing to get to that renewal. Automatic renewal is the same thing. You know, hey, John, your policy with Liberty Mutuals renewing on October 1st. Here's what we've done so far. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what you can expect next. Yep. Why would you not have that type? I, I don't understand agencies 
I think there's a lot of agencies out there that still have the old school mentality of, I'm going to wait until the two days before the renewal to send a proposal because they think that that's going to earn them the business because now they stuck their client with nowhere else to go. Let me tell you a fun story. And I know you'll enjoy this. I think and a lot of the listeners will. This literally happened within the last seven days. I'm part of a, a, a whiskey and bourbon club here in McKinney, and uh, they had a special barrel pick release. And a new, <laughs> a new liquor store was doing the helping with the distribution. They worked with the distillery to get the pick, and it was a club-only thing. And I wasn't able to go to the, the big event at, they had at a restaurant where they were giving everybody the, the bottles that they had been purchased. But you could go to this partner liquor store and pick up the bottle uh, that you had purchased. And it was engraved and really cool thing. So I go to the, the Jerry's Liquor. If you happen to be in the Prosper area, you go to Jerry's and tell them that James Jenkins sent you. Thank you in advance for that, by the way. So I go there. And these are just two of the coolest guys. I mean, guys you can just shoot the breeze with and just get along with really nice, friendly guys that decided to get together and open a liquor store. And I worked it to perfection. I just chatted them up, asked questions, was friendly myself, just connected on a human level, told some jokes, laughed at their jokes, whatever. This is on a Saturday afternoon. My kids are playing at home. My wife is napping or something. So I didn't have any time constraint and I was able to just network. And after, after, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes, whatever, the guy paused and goes, so what do you do? And I was like, oh, I, I do risk management and commercial insurance. You know, we have some fun in there. And he goes, oh, really? Wow. We have a second location opening in, in about a, you know, two months or so. I'd love to get your help on that. Can you help with liquor stores? I'm like, yeah, we definitely can. We have a few markets for that. Why? What's going on? What's uh? You don't say something like that unless you're already unhappy with your current relationship. Uh, what's the story there? And I said it with a smile on my face, like, come on, give me a good story. It wasn't like a, come on, I'm prospecting you right now. And uh, he goes on to say, we're with EMC and we're with Insurica. And I was like, oh, Insurica is a really big company. Who's your agent? They're like, oh, so-and-so. I've never heard of the agent they're with. And I was like, our agent dicked us around on, on the renewal and waited to like, five days before renewal, and we feel kind of squished. And I don't like that. I'm really, I don't like them waiting the last second. It was like, and of course, me being me, it was like, all right, there's my <laughs> opportunity. I was like, man, yep. you know, that's kind of what you get with really big agencies. And sure, because a huge shop. They're, they've got offices all over the place. It's what you get with a really big shop, you know? They play games sometimes. It sounds like yep. you're, uh, you're pretty unhappy with your agent, uh, you know, playing games like that. Gave him the old uh, mirror, you know, never split the difference. Sounds yeah. like, looks like, feels like. And he's like, yeah, man. And the agent's a friend of mine, too. And I was just like, oh, oh, oh that makes man. It even worse. Man. No, he's like, yeah. But I mean, after that, it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't like this at all. Like, friend or not. Like, it's almost worse when you're a friend with somebody and they treat you like that. It was like, man, yeah, I don't know what to say. That, that stinks. I'm really sorry that happened. It's <laughs> terrible, man. Oh. It's it, it's it. And, and but, I but I say all that to say yeah. the only reason why I have a very clear opportunity to take a good account to location liquor store, that's probably 40, 50,000 in premium for the account. It's a, it's a good medium size account for us. 
The only reason I have that opportunity is the agent played games with renewal. And they didn't do it right. And they waited to the last second. They either forgot or they had a big fat increase that they were scared to deliver. Exactly. And, and they messed around and played games with renewal. And they're going to lose their account to me in a couple yep. of months. Yep. And they, so, don't have, they probably don't have a process. And here's the thing. Like people on my team will, over the years, now we're so like our standard is so defined, but when we were kind of creating these standards, you know, people on the team would always say, well, what if I'm having a hard time getting a quote or, you know, the carrier's waiting to a long, you know how that happens. Yeah. Fine. Tell your client, just make sure they know, just communicate with them. Yeah. You know, yeah. I just want to let you know, like, I'm still working on this. Like, give me a little more time. It's a little bit difficult. I do expect a rate increase, by the way, you know, just get ahead of it. Just yeah. don't seem like a dirt ball that's going to send it to them three days before with a hundred percent increase. But yeah, man. So our process is pretty defined and we really believe in, in touch points throughout yep. the way so that at least, you know, it just makes me feel better. And I think it makes the team feel better that if a client does decide to move on and our retention isn't perfect, you know, we average about 92%, 90, sometimes a little higher, some months a little lower, but if a client does decide to move on, at least we did it the, the best we, at least we left them with a good taste in their mouth, right? That said, okay, you know, that agency, you know, they did a good job for me. I'm moving on because of X, Y, and Z, but it has nothing to do with the fact that they forgot about me or they didn't give it their best or I feel like they yeah. you know, left me hanging. Sometimes you're just going to lose. Sometimes you're just going to lose. things that are outside of your, con your control. A hundred percent, man. A hundred percent. So what, what else, anything you want to talk about here? I'll, I'll just hand you the mic, man. Hand you the mic, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shameless dad jokes. I know. You can roll your eyes at me, listener. That's fine. Uh, we're about 44 minutes into recording here, man. Anything you want to chat about before we land the plane? No, man. No, I will say one other thing that I did think about when we were talking about our renewal process and bigger mm -hmm. agencies that yeah. really did help us along the way is breaking down into smaller teams. You know, I decided that to lose, not lose the touch because as you start to get bigger in this space, you can, you know, I always feared losing the touch with the client Yeah, that we broke down into small teams. So basically we have a broker that has a direct account manager or executive assigned to them that has a CSR assigned to them. Some teams have three or four people. Uh, every team has three, some have four, but nice. we broke it. We broke it down into teams so that that team is accountable to their book of business. And that book of business, that client knows exactly who their people are every single time. Yeah. You know, who's going to do my search? Who's going to renew my policy? Who do I call if I need another policy? You know, and it feels, I think it feels to them like, even though we've gotten a lot larger over the years, they haven't lost that touch, that personal touch. And I think that's been important. Yep. And I think for any agency that's getting to a bigger size, you should, you should consider that. Yep. And it's helped us manage the business, you know? Well, and having that three-person team, you know, that producer with an account executive, with a CSR, I think that is, is beautiful. And when you're following big eye best practices guidelines, when you're, when you're reading the stuff that Reagan Consulting puts out, a lot of folks out there going, well, what's the difference between an account executive and a CSR? There's actually a big difference. Very big yep. difference, you know. It's a huge difference. Reading the literature from the big eye, from the PIA, you know, from our trade associations in the industry, getting familiar with those roles and responsibilities, with those job descriptions, and you know, figuring out what the hiring plan looks like. Because that silo thing—the beautiful thing about what you just said, Mike—is that every listener out there 
can personalize what you just said for their own office. Because yeah, you have what, 30-ish team members? Yeah, 25-ish. Okay, yeah. So you got 25-ish team. You have probably what, four or five of those siloed off teams where you got a producer, an account executive CSR, and some sort of virtual assistant that's doing data entry? Yeah, we have, uh, s- yeah, six. Sweet. You want to give yeah. your vendor a shout out? Who handles your virtual assistants for you? You know what? I don't have any virtual assistants, man. Oh, you don't? Okay. It's all all here stateside. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. I just assumed you had somebody doing your data entry because you're so process driven. No. RPAs. Ooh, that's right. Okay. We're going to have to have you back on for another episode, my friend. <laughs> we don't have nearly enough time to crack that open. There you go, breaking an yeah. egg. In, in minute 47 of an episode, you say things that are going to take me off in a, in, a, in a direction that's an entirely separate episode worth of conversation. Man. Hey, are you down to have another conversation sometime in the next few months or a few weeks even on what you guys are doing with RPA? Oh, yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. Right. I, lo- I love talking about RPA. I totally but- forgot. You. Th- I'm sorry. I have gone the entire episode and brain farted on all the RPA stuff that you and I have talked about. Shame on me, Fusco. Are you doing any in your agency now, man? Not until I talk to you, brother. Like, you're on my list. I need to get with your vendor. Yeah. Look at it. It's good stuff. Yeah. I mean, when I hear Hank... Not not Hank, sorry. Hank Watkins is not who I was thinking of. It's Frank Sentner. Um, I don't know how Hank and Frank got... Oh, there it is. It's Hank and Frank. They sound kind of similar. (laughs) Wouldn't that be a fun podcast, Hank and Frank? If Hank Watkins and Frank Sentner did a podcast, I would listen to that. I promise you. Goodness. Oh, yeah, those guys are you want to talk about institutional knowledge. Exactly. Whew, and man. you were telling me this, actually, when, in, in Key West, that uh, I didn't know that, that Frank had said RPA has been around for like the eight, since like the 80s or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't either. I put yeah. RPA in the same breath as machine learning and AI, and Frank was like, no, RPA is the grandfather of machine learning. I was like, oops, <laughs> I didn't even know that. Okay, well, I just looked dumb in front of Frank Sentner, the godfather of modern insurance. I was like, awesome. Okay. I had no clue. I, and I guess you were telling me, I learned this from you, that RPA, other industries have been using it for a long time, and we've kind of been slow to adopt. Right? Imagine that. Insurance is slow to adopt something. Never know, seen that, that before. The dinosaurs of the business, man. <laughs> Brother, I really appreciate this. It's been a fun conversation. There's always a different level of energy when you have a podcast guest that is a personal friend. So, Thanks yeah, for inviting me, man. It was a good time. Bro, we're going to have a second conversation about RPA and get all the way in the weeds on marketing automation and using generative AI to take things off the plate of human assets in your agency. So we're not going to wait very long either. Mike, I'm going to have you back on probably a month or two after this episode airs, which I think is probably first or second week of September. This episode will air. And uh, cool. right be a lot when of we're, fun. At, uh, we're having some cocktails at George's. There, there you so. go. Yeah. So George's, that's where we're going in La Jolla? Uh, somewhere. I, I Have you been to George's? No, I haven't. Oh, uh, you guys will love it. Yeah, we'll go there. Okay. George's in La Jolla. Hey, the con- the Coldplay concert is the 26th of September. So yeah, yeah. it's a Tuesday it's a, night, right? It, it is uh, either Monday or Tuesday, brother. You okay. can take your pick. I, cool. You know what? I'll do this. I will set your episode to drop the Friday before I see you in person. That way it's fresh on everyone's mind. Cool. There Sounds you go. Good. I like awesome. that. 
Brother, this has been great. And folks out there in listener land, this is another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. If you want to get a hold of Mike Fusco, he is very easy to find. He's active on LinkedIn and Facebook. And uh, if you're in the uh, Agency Intelligence Mastermind, thank you, Mr. Jason Cass. Uh, Mike is in there as well. And uh, yeah, that's it for this episode. Make it a great day, boys and girls. We'll talk to you again real soon. Y'all take care. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.